Hello, and welcome to KPMG's Mobility Via podcast. I'm Marissa Christie, a Global Mobility Services Managing Director in the Los Angeles office of KPMG. Joining me today is Bob Rothery, a director in our Washington National Tax Practice. Hi, Bob. Hey, Marissa. Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Same to you. We both know that January means that the tax busy season is about to ramp up. Our annual GMS program manager newsletter just came out. I thought maybe we could spend some time talking about the tax issues it outlines that program managers and assignees are concerned with right now. One thing that should be of concern to everybody right now is the new Form W-4. Can you give us some background on that? Yeah, sure. Um, As everybody knows, the tax reform legislation that was passed a couple of years ago changed the federal income tax calculation, and the Form W-4 no longer really reflected the tax return. It's always been a confusing form. A lot of people had uh, uh, trouble interpreting it or negotiating how to apply it to their tax situations. And for 2018 and 2019, the IRS updated the withholding tax tables, but not the form itself. So a lot of people had fewer deductions, and if they didn't update their W-4, they'd be claiming too many deductions, and they'd end up being underwithheld. So for 2020, the IRS has updated the form instructions to make it easier to calculate withholding. They updated the form itself, and they've also published online withholding calculators. That's great. This may seem like an issue of concern only for taxpayers, because employers of assignees may stop withholding income taxes while the the individual is on assignment. However, inbound assignees may have withholding, but not really understand U.S. tax well enough to figure out how to navigate the Form W-4. Also, outbound assignees may still need withholding for personal income, as well as they need to make sure they have proper withholding in, in their year of arrival and the year that they leave the U.S. Also note that underwithholding can result in a penalty for underpayment of estimated taxes. Oh, that's a good point. And the problem was so big in 2018 that the IRS actually raised the threshold for the penalty so that it would apply to fewer people. Yeah, that applied for 2018 only, though, and the IRS didn't change the rule until a lot of people had already filed their tax returns. That's right, and the IRS recognized that problem and refunded the penalty to people who'd already paid it before they'd made the new rule uh, public. The problem is if a person's tax is paid by their employer because they're on assignment, the employer probably also finances the penalty. Uh, The person may not have realized that the refund actually belonged to their employer, and the employer wouldn't necessarily know that the person received the refund. I would guess it's safe to assume that when they get an unexpected check from the IRS, many people will cash it and not ask any questions. So the dilemma now is whether to go back over 2018 records to determine who might have received such a check and how to communicate the issue to taxpayers. Speaking of needing to go back over records for prior years, let's talk about this refund opportunity for those who have been on assignment in France. Can you give me some background on that? Sure. Um, The general rule is that if a person pays foreign Social Security tax, they can add that to the amount of their foreign income taxes that they paid for determining their foreign tax credit. But if the tax is covered by a bilateral Social Security totalization agreement, then no foreign tax credit is allowed for that tax. Well, we have an agreement like that with France, but there are two French social taxes that aren't covered by the agreement. 
The IRS allows amended returns for up to 10 years prior when foreign tax credit is concerned. So if U.S. taxpayers have paid French taxes in 2009 or after, they may have a refund opportunity. That's a perfect example of another situation that looks like it's only of concern to the taxpayer. But employers should also care about this. If an employer was paying their assignees foreign taxes, then a refund that results from such taxes would belong back to the employer and represents a program cost reduction. The employee's unlikely to realize this refund opportunity is even available to them. So the employer would need to contact the employee and pay for the amended return. But I'm guessing that's not feasible for an employee who left the company eight or nine years ago. <laughs> that's absolutely for sure. Now, on the topic of Social Security agreements, we have 30 of them now. Uh, you can find the list at www.ssa.gov international. And what's important to note is that we have four new ones. Two new ones entered into force in late 2018 with Brazil and Uruguay, and two more in early 2019 with Iceland and Slovenia. So if a person was working in one of those countries, uh, or if they're on assignment from, to the U.S. from one of those countries, they'd no longer be subject to double Social Security tax as of the effective date. Well, that's great, but a lot of people are hazy on whether a new agreement is retroactive. Oh, that's right, and they're not. A new agreement doesn't mean that the person has a refund opportunity, but it, it just assures that there shouldn't be double tax going forward. And since Social Security is a payroll tax, it's up to the employer to get it right. Are there any other year-end issues that we should be thinking about? Well, every year a new bunch of ITINs expires. That's right. For those of you that don't know the lingo, an ITIN is an individual taxpayer identification number. And if a person doesn't qualify for a social security number, they have to provide an ITIN on their U.S. tax returns. So what's up with the fact that they expire? Well, first of all, if an ITIN hasn't been used on a tax return for three years, it expires. And the taxpayer has to renew it before it can be used on a tax return again. In addition, a number of years ago, the documentation requirements for obtaining an ITIN were strengthened. So all ITINs obtained under the old rules will eventually expire, whether they've been used or not. Every year, the IRS announces which ITINs will expire for that year. You can get more information and get a list of the expirations by entering into a search engine, IRS ITIN Expiration Fact Sheet. This can be a major headache for employers. Taxpayers won't necessarily know that their ITIN has expired or how to renew it. If the only reason they or their dependents need an ITIN is because of their international assignment, they'll expect their employer to help them with this. Luckily, an acceptance agent, including KPMG, can perform the required documentation requirements. So before we wrap up, can you think of any other headaches employers should be thinking about? Well, there's always passport revocation. So the logical follow-up question is, how is that a tax issue? <laughs> it never was until Congress <laughs> included it as a revenue raiser in an infrastructure bill a couple of years ago. So now if a taxpayer has a seriously delinquent federal tax debt in excess of a certain amount, and the amount for 2020 is $52,000, the IRS must inform the U.S. State Department. And the State Department can then deny an application for a new passport or a passport renewal and can even revoke an existing passport. 
Last year, the IRS announced that it's begun providing that information to the State Department, so we may start seeing these renewals and revocations happen. If a taxpayer has been complying with the IRS, they probably won't enter into this seriously delinquent status, even if they owe a large amount, but it's important to be aware of the new rule. Well, obviously, this can have an impact on an international assignment. At the very least, employers should probably be mentioning this issue to current and potential assignees. We've covered a lot of ground. Thanks, Bob. And thanks for joining this episode of Mobility Via Podcast. In future episodes, we'll spend more time on top-of-mind issues, geopolitics, digitization, and changing business models. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. If you have thoughts on today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at us-taxwatch at kpmg.com. Thanks for listening.